0: Welcome to a special series from the Child Discipleship Podcast, all about the church in Ukraine, the faithfulness of loving, caring adults, and how the gospel keeps advancing even in the midst of a war. My name is Ross, and I'm so glad that you're here. Before we start today, I want to reiterate what the purpose of this podcast is. We're here to talk about what God is doing in Ukraine, and we're going to provide an opportunity for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to tell part of their story. That's why we're here. Thank you for listening.
1: My name is Anita Grigas, and I'm from Cherkasy, Ukraine, and I've been involved with Awana since 1992.
0: On this podcast, you'll hear from leaders like Anita about how child discipleship is still happening in Ukraine. But more importantly, you'll hear about how it has never stopped happening.
1: You do have opportunities uh, to talk to a child. You never know, will this child come next uh, time? Will this kid come the next day of the camp? So you have today, you're given this chance. You're given this opportunity. And every new day is a new opportunity, even though the war is um, awful and we can see all these consequences of uh, of the war here, but God is still working and giving us this time.
0: Despite all that is up against these leaders, these kids and this country, their dependence on the Lord has inspired the rest of the church. And their resilience has caused the rest of the world to take notice. But
1: we're planning and trusting God that He'll give us this opportunity. Because uh, as long as we're alive here, we can do what we have been called to do.
0: But to really begin to tell the story of Ukraine in 2022, you need to turn the clock back over 30 years. In the late 80s and early 90s, the Soviet Union was breaking apart, and walls were coming down. Literally.
2: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
0: Lots of you listening probably remember that. Some of you may have been praying for or supporting the generations of Christians who had worshipped the Lord under Soviet rule. These Christians, like Victor, a leader for Iwana in Ukraine, were now able to worship Jesus freely. Victor told me part of his story through Olga, an interpreter for Iwana that you'll hear more from later.
3: My wife and I were starting churches in Odessa region at that time. The closest church to us was 100 kilometers away from us. So we bought a house and we started a church there. So we needed something to involve kids in our services and in ministry. We started and registered three churches and all three of them were started thanks to children who came to churches and their parents who came and stayed. So Awana really works.
0: Awana was positioned, along with other organizations, to follow the Holy Spirit's lead and enter Ukraine. There we found leaders who had been discipled as kids in a persecuted church that were now figuring out what it meant to follow Jesus in an entirely different reality. One such leader, was Pavel.
2: I grew up in during communist time when church uh, ch- was underground and especially was uh, uh workers' children and was not allowed at all. You know, if if some church have some church building and uh, KGB people were staying and watching,
0: you're going to hear a lot from Pavel throughout this podcast. He's a leader for Iwana overseeing Eastern Europe. He's a kind man who has served the Lord faithfully for, essentially, his entire life.
2: We are four four boys in our family, mom and dad. They were just regular Christians, hard workers, not high-positive in his jobs.
0: Pavel is a first-generation Christian post the fall of the Soviet Union. These Christians, who were under communist rule as kids, but experienced the fall of the Soviet Union as adults, they were oppressed by their government in a way that is hard for us in the West to even comprehend.
2: Several times, uh, our government was trying to take us to put an orphanage. Like they promised, you, you don't live in with your silly pra- parents. You don't have any future. So we will be put you in an orphanage and you will be glad, go, have good, go to university and have a good uh, education. But praise the Lord, it will never never happens with us because of because of our faithfulness and our parents and God's grace.
0: I can't help but wonder how would we in America respond in an environment like this? If our churches were under this kind of persecution, where kids were being told that they would be sent to an orphanage simply because their parents were Christians. Would we still be faithful to the gospel? In this next clip, Pavel describes his early adult life in the church.
2: I was pro- plumber for 15 years in natural gas company. During communist time, if you are not communist, there's no way for you to get some high position or go to university or institute. If you may finish high school, you may be a, like a driver or you know plumber. I was a plumber. Freedom come in early 90s, Now it was 80, 89.
0: Even in just the stories of Anita, Victor, and Pavel, the three leaders you've already heard from in Ukraine, it's clear to me that God was doing something unique, even 30 years ago, that I think we're still seeing the fruit of today in Ukraine. I was struck by how child discipleship was such an important part of the story of every single person I spoke with for this podcast. I contrast that with the tension that so many of us feel here in the States of losing young people out the back door of our churches year after year. The only difference I can think of is that the Ukrainian church, since its inception, and certainly since it was able to worship Jesus publicly, has prioritized discipleship of the entire family. When someone experiences discipleship like that, they don't leave the church. Roman. Another Awana leader, who you'll hear in English thanks to Olga in this next clip, experienced discipleship that has blessed his entire family.
3: In 2000 uh, my uh, daughter was four years old and uh, I didn't know much uh, about how to play with kids and how to uh, bring them up in, in Christianity. So I uh, found out that we had a children's Christian club for kids at our church. There was a sermon and our church, and the person who preached was saying that every member of the church needs to have or be involved in some kind of ministry. Um, so I remember I prayed, I said, God, please uh, help me find a ministry for myself. Amen. And I got ready to wait for a long time. In 10 minutes, a young lady came to me, she grabbed me by um, the hand and she was, you know, uh, leading me, and she said while we were while we were walking, she was holding my hand, and she said, uh, "Our club director is leaving, and we don't have a club director. So please uh, come and help, Pastor. This is Roman. Uh, he is going to be our club director. Okay, God bless you." So in two thousand, I started serving in Havana, and here I am right now. And now my older daughter brings her two daughters, my two granddaughters, to
4: our Awana club.
5: I wish I could go back in a time machine and have been there for those first meetings 30 years ago. And that um, is when Awana was able to go in right in 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 those early days and be a part of that enthusiasm and excitement for the gospel. That was
0: Tom Chilton. Tom works for Awana here in America as our VP of Europe and North Asia. What Tom was describing in that clip was the seat that Awana had at the table for what God was doing in Ukraine in the early 90s. He used the words enthusiasm and excitement, but I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that standing in Ukraine during that time must have felt like you were standing on holy ground. Folks at Awana got to take part in that. They got to bear witness to God at work during a unique time in history. Folks like Brian and Sandy Rhodes. Brian and Sandy have seen child establishment work in a variety of contexts around the world with Awana, including in Ukraine. And Sandy describes what life was like when they first arrived in that country.
6: Probably our relationship goes back to the early 2000s, and uh, we lived in Budapest, Hungary at the time. A meeting point for all of our uh, North Asia group would have been Ukraine, so we would bring everybody in. And so we just would go into the uh, city of Trikasi, and all of our Iwana people from the former Soviet Union would come in, and uh, we would just spend a week getting to know these people.
0: Many of you who are listening are doing so because of the war. And I'm grateful for that. But there are lots of you like Brian and Sandy and Tom who are listening because you've had a heart for the people of Ukraine for a long time.
6: The Ukrainians were such great hosts to us, and uh, we fell in love with Pavel and Valentina and their family. It was not very um, long before we just fell in love with Ukraine, and we, we deemed that our home away from home, actually. I mean, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. It's kind of that warlike thing where you build relationships that you don't build anywhere else. Mm. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's what was established for us. And, mm. and we were living in Budapest, so it was only a couple of hours for us to get there. Mm-hmm. And and we could go back and forth quite easily and did many, many times. Enough so that I, I learned enough Russian that I could understand what they were saying. <laughs> so, which is actually kind of a funny joke because when they finally realized that I was actually understanding what they were saying, these Ukrainian people that love us so much, they switched from speaking Russian to Ukrainian. So I still couldn't understand what they were saying.
0: <laughs> it's clear that the Ukrainian people prioritized being welcoming and having fun while doing ministry. And this theme of Ukrainian hospitality came up time and time again with the Americans I spoke with for this podcast. I think it's worth highlighting, as Sandy did here.
6: There was an, an Awana office there, and they had bedrooms, so we would stay there many times. And, and because we spent so much time there... Um, but it wasn't just about um, the frequency of our visits, but um, the people themselves were so welcoming. They they loved on you, they gave you their best. They just had a heart for people and they had come out of um, much restriction in the past, uh, their, their country, their nation's history. And so when we came in, they had their freedom and they didn't take that for granted at all. They were very appreciative of that. And they were navigating a new whole way of life for Ukrainians under the rule of nobody and, and trying to see what that freedom looked like. But um, very, uh, they were independent, uh, very strong, and, uh, and yet very
0: loving. Here's how Tom Chilton describes what makes the Ukrainian church different.
5: There's a, a wonderful balance between a love of ministry a seriousness about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel combined with a very humorous fun loving joyous spirit. I really felt welcomed in to this to this family, the Gregas family specifically and they've always gone above and beyond to show hospitality and love they're, they're so dedicated to the ministry and serving. It's part of their identity, and, and now I see it in Pavel's grandchildren.
0: And speaking of Pavel, Donna Salen is a friend of the ministry, and many in Ukraine call her Mama Donna. I asked her about her first impression of Pavel, which summed up to me what the Iwana ministry is really all about in Ukraine.
4: Well, Pablo, you could just feel his passion and his love for kids and for the kids to hear about Jesus. I mean, we call him No Problem because quickly we, he's, uh-huh. everybody knows him. They know me as Mama Donna, but they know Pablo Grigas as No Problem. I would sit in a meeting in the, with the pastors, and Pablo would be leading it, and they would be talking about arranging for teams to come to Ukraine and uh, they'd be talking and I couldn't understand a word they were saying a few times. There'd be a few words that you'd recognize that were English words and then he'd stop and he'd say, no problem. (laughs) 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 But he has been, God has gifted him in leadership. He's a man you can trust. He has just has such a big heart But the main thing about him is his passion for people coming to know Christ.
0: Before we can really dive into the ways that the Russian invasion of Ukraine in 2022 impacted the lives of kids and families, we have to talk about 2014 see for the ukrainian people this war didn't start in february of 2022 it actually began in february of 2014 with the invasion of crimea in eastern ukraine
5: look
2: at ukraine and crimea down in the south there, jutting out into the waters of the black sea home to a critical port the russian navy has used for centuries so putin claiming he is defending ethnic russians in crimea has seized and cut off the
0: entire peninsula the invasion of crimea required news in America to educate its viewers about what was even happening in this part of the world. Victor, the Iwana leader you heard from earlier, described how the ministry was impacted by the invasion of Crimea in this next clip, which you'll hear in English, thanks to Olga. Well, a little...
3: When the territories of Ukraine were occupied, and they kind of became part of Russia legally, because most of Awana clubs are run in churches, in church buildings, and the churches had to be registered in the Russian government, and nothing American was allowed to work in the churches. So people were not allowed to have Awana. As far as I know, some clubs still continued their work, but they did secretly.
0: For more in 2014, I want to go back to Pavel, a person who has been learning what it's like to disciple kids in a country that has been impacted by war, not just for eight months, but for eight years.
2: We in the eastern part of Ukraine, we get um, we do a lot of uh, trainings here, we're using... Uh, interesting. We we do Avana, big Havana conferences in in Christian uh, uh, Donetsk Christian University, which become occupied in 2014, and now it's kind of like a KGB uh, prison. The ministry was active and the ministry was growing, and uh, 2014 really when, like you say, uh, said uh, war was starting. Really, it's got a lot of. Big part of our ministry out, because uh, because in this time, you know, we need to understand some kind of Russia. Uh, Russia come in with R- Russia law, what is it really against religion, uh, about uh, and more about children work and uh, especially, you know, we are using word WANA openly in in, uh, in uh, Ukraine, which means like kind of.
0: American. Just like during communism, the Ukrainian church was once again looking at an oppressive force, an outside nation that wanted to change their perspective, limit what they could say, and in this case, restrict them simply because they were using Awana, this American sounding program. But what was the Ukrainian church's response?
2: In 2014, really, Awana already started helping to refugees which come to uh, more to central part or western part, you know, in Ukraine, and uh, churches was in first, Chichis in and Havana, like part of church was in, in first line to help the people. And it's, you know, like always, probably in all countries, bigger part of refugees are women, so uh, it's, and we are, we are, our clubs, it's kind of, cut numbers of clubs in eastern part, but add some more uh, clubbers in central part, uh, which it's become a, it's, it's not ro- really easy because it's who was who need to move out of uh, of their homes after bombing, uh, after war. Uh, they are not easy to work with. We need to work in some kind of uh, I don't say it rehabilitation, but we need to kind of found the different methods to work with them. And from our regular, like, clubs part, you know, you need to come like, regular to ch- uh, club, and then you have awards. From that, we become really happy when we have kids, refugee kids maybe, for half of year or three months. God give us chance to tell them about Jesus.
0: That spirit, seeing a crisis like war, as an opportunity to share the good news is something we're going to come back to in the next episode. But here's what Anita remembers about this period of time.
1: Till 2014, we were able to serve around the whole Ukraine, the whole whole territory of Ukraine. So uh, over 200 clubs, I think in, in Ukraine, I remember all this Fall conferences or spring conferences for leaders, when people were gathering together to share experience, for um, to be encouraged during these um, meetings. Um, I remember our travels to different parts of Ukraine, um, but everything changed because of the uh, because of the war. Some parts of Ukraine were cut, and we couldn't go there anymore. So some of the relationships there were broken because people were on one part and other part. So we were not expecting. We were. I think that was a time of growth, time of blessing, time of um, discipleship of children. That we've seen so many, so many kids reached uh, out at this point, and then everything changed.
0: Then everything changed. For the people of Ukraine, everything started to change in 2014, and for eight years they have lived under this tension, waiting for more to change. Many of them have been served well by the church. The church in Ukraine has led its country through these changes, in no small part thanks to the women of Ukraine. The men have been called to fight and defend their homeland, and so many women have been called to disciple their communities. Women like Olga, who grew up in Iwana and who you've been hearing telling other people's stories throughout this podcast, shared with me what ministry was like before all this started.
3: Uh, Usually, we would uh, get together uh, every week. Um, Usually, it would be Saturday or Sunday. We would um, be together with the leaders and the kids uh, once a week. Uh, Once a week, we would also have uh, Awana leaders' meetings uh, for prayer and uh, planning. It was safe, (laughs) We were not so worried for, you know, for our kids.
0: I want to be clear here. I had asked Olga about her ministry in 2014. But of course, she can't help but tell me about her ministry back then in light of her current reality.
3: We would enjoy ourselves. We we could choose whether we would like to be outside or inside, whether we would... Um, I don't know, meet at school or at uh, church, you know, we were more flexible uh, in terms of location. Our talks uh, were different. The the things that we would uh, uh, talk about or discuss, uh, the way we would play and, uh, you know, connect with each other, everything seemed smoother and brighter and more joyful we wouldn't be talking about worry and uh evil so much we would be uh, you know choosing the bible stories
4: for our
3: you know everyday life
0: next time on this podcast
4: this is ukraine's capital what seemed unthinkable in the 21st century is now underway when
3: putin launched The greatest threat to European stability since World War II. is a
4: full scale attack, forcing Ukrainians to decide whether to flee or to fight. When
0: Russia launched a full scale invasion of Ukraine, how did our leaders respond? How was child discipleship impacted? Yes, life in Ukraine as they knew it stopped. But we know that God's word never stopped advancing.